Good morning, good morning breakfast. Today is sponsored and is dedicated in honor of Rachel and Joey Braha on the birth of their baby boy, who is at the moment having a Brit Milah in another synagogue in Brooklyn, sponsored by Corey and Mark Ajmi and family. Breakfast is also sponsored in memory of the Benish Haile Lunishmat, Haham Yosef Hayim Ben Acham Eliyahu Alav Ashlom, on the occasion of his Hilula, sponsored by Leah and Leah and Freddie Ini. Azaku Baruch. Rabotai, this parasha, it, uh, it gives us an unbelievable insight into what, what it means to be a Jewish person, but even more importantly, I think, what it means to be a Jewish person during the time before Rosh Hashanah. Okay, let me explain what I mean. When, Avra, when Moshe Rabbeinu is uh, sitting, you know, begging God during this time, he begs and he pleads Hashem, please, you know, don't, don't uh, destroy the Jewish people. They made the sin of the golden calf. You know, they did this terrible thing, but please forgive them. During these 40 days, from, what's it called? Rosh Chodesh Elul until Yom Kippurim. Moshe Rabbeinu is pleading with Hashem not to, not to destroy the Jewish people. What happens after 40 days of Moshe's entreating of God? What happens? And Moshe, God says, Since that time, these 40 days are misugal for forgiveness. And we therefore say silichot and we pray and we do teshuvah during this time because we know that God is extra close. God is here waiting for us. To make a move and to respond, to reciprocate with uh, with uh, with rahamim, with mercy towards us. So, how do we act during a time when the melech, when the king is basadeh, he's sitting there in the field right outside the city? Anyone can come and anyone can ask. What is a person supposed to do? So, of course, we know that a person should ask and do teshuvah. But I think that there's another thing as well that often people are not aware of. So, Moshe is begging God, and what does God say to Moshe? He says, I forgive them. Okay, now what? The luchot that God gave, what happened to them? Rahet. They're broken. So what do we do? Pesol lecha shne luchot avanim kadishonim. I want you to carve for yourself two tablets made of stone kadishonim, like the ones, the first ones. What was Moshe carving the stones from? It wasn't granite. It wasn't a rain, a plain rock. He was carving the luchot, the second luchot, out of a very precious rock. The rock that he happened to put his tent on top of. Why pesol lecha for you? Because as Moshe was carving the luchot, whatever was left over, the extras, it was so precious, the scraps, that Moshe Rabbeinu was able to make a fortune from these scraps. Now, why did Moshe Rabbeinu, why was he given these scraps? Well, how come? Why did he need them? Because we know that the Jewish people became very, very wealthy. When did they become very wealthy, each person for themselves? At the Yamsuf, uh, when they were traveling through the ocean, when they were leaving, and as well, when they were leaving Egypt, every single Jew, what were they doing? They were running around asking each Egyptian, they said, can I have some uh, extra money? Do you have any nice clothing I could have? And they were giving them all their special things. And each Jew was gathering wealth. What was Moshe Rabbeinu doing at that time? He was busy trying to figure out 
where to find Atzmot Yosef, the bones of Yosef. Why? Ki Because Yosef had made the Jewish people swear that they would take him out <coughs> when they would leave. So while everybody else is taking care of their finances, what's Moshe Rabbeinu taking care of? The bones fulfilling the promise, the oath of the Jewish people to bring Yosef with them to Eretz Israel. Now listen to this, Rabotai. So while everybody else is chasing the money, what's Moshe doing? He's chasing the mitzvah. When they're leaving, the Yamsuk Moshe Rabbeinu is busy preparing as the Ashir Moshe. What's everybody else doing? Picking up all the gold and the silver that's washing up on the beach. Hashem says, so now I need to reward you. And it always bothered me. Why does Hashem need to reward Moshe Rabbeinu now? He's making the luchot. Now he needs to make some money. Let him finish with the luchot. Do the mitzvah. Let Moshe Rabbeinu be walking one day randomly to the Moed Moed and he'll trip on, I don't know, the, the, the Hope Diamond. Right? Let Moshe Rabbeinu, we know it says that the Sadiqim, when they got the manna, so in the Sadiqim's portion of the man, there was precious stones. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu could have sent extra stones to Moshe Rabbeinu. He has to make it come from the extra scraps of the Luchot. The answer is that we were learning a tremendous lesson. Because everyone that could look at Moshe Rabbeinu and say, wow, look at all the extra bits that he got, the sapphire, he's a wealthy man. But really, God wanted to reward Moshe in the way that Moshe Rabbeinu was himself. Because everybody does mitzvot. But there's very, very few people who do mitzvot in a way where they're grabbing every extra scrap of a mitzvah. When they're trying to find the last piece here and there that they could grab for free, easily. Those scraps are the ones that always get ignored. What happened with Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe Rabbeinu was worried about a mitzvah that no one else is thinking about. That's a scrap of a mitzvah. Rabotai, during the month of Elul, when we're trying to curry favor with God, aside from asking with our prayers, aside from saying sorry, there's a whole other element here. There's mitzvot that are sitting on the table Everyone's ignoring it. No one's going for the mitzvah. I, I want to just explain what I mean looking at this pasuk and then you'll see what I mean. Says, says Rabbeinu Bahaye, Pisol lecha, listen to these words. Unbelievable. Masheetzel aherim pisolet. What for everybody else is garbage. Mize atayacholasot esek. From that, you can make a whole business from it. Now, I need you to understand what this means. You know, I want you to imagine a guy who loves whiskey. I can't imagine a guy who loves whiskey. I don't really know anyone like that. Personally, I don't really, uh, I couldn't, can't relate to this concept of someone who really uh, likes a good whiskey. But imagine a guy buys a bottle, $75,000 McAllen. Brand new, we got one. $75,000 McAllen, there's one, okay? I need you to understand. The box itself of that McAllen, you know how much you could, you could pay for that? You, people could, would buy the box for? People could buy the special boxes that they sell the whiskey in for $2,000, $3,000. They're beautiful. They're beautiful pieces of wheat, the wood, shine the wood, the thing, it's got the thing, the class. You push the button, it opens, you think there's going to be a genie coming out of there, right? And if you drink enough, you see the genie. But the point is, right, you click on this thing, opens up, what happens at the bottle? Now, you have a guy, he's loaded, he buys this bottle of whiskey, takes the bottle of whiskey, what does he do with the box? It's a box. 
But there's somebody else on eBay, his whole business, what is he selling? He made a whole business out of that. Wow. You hear this? You have a guy who sells falafel. What does he do? He takes the falafel, he t- takes off the top of the pita. What does he do with the top of the pita? Nothing. What do you th- I, What would I do? I would open up the little slice of the pita, put, you know, tiny falafel bowls in, you know, little tiny pieces of salad. You know, you make a little tiny falafel. Instead of selling it for $10, you sell it for $1. Isn't that a genius idea? Yeah. You could sell that for people who are trying to lose weight, but are still Israeli. They have to eat falafel. Here's a falafel for everybody else. This is the falafel for the dietitians, for the diet people. Right? What a fantastic business idea you can make with nothing. What do you use for the bits of the falafel? You know the extra bits that sit at the bottom of the thing? You take those little bits. That's the little falafel bits of the item. All the extra bits of salad, the ones that fell out of the thing, that's your salad. The tahine, what is the tahine? From the extra bit in the bowl, you put a little tiny bit on a little tiny, you know. You can make a whole business out of the bits that everybody else is throwing away. Pesol lecha. The garbage could be for you. Why do I share this whole introduction? Because I want to read to you the parasha, and I wanted to read it to you with a different set of glasses on, if that's okay. Let's take a look at this. The pasuk says, Pasuk Yudal, Lo ta'ashok sachir ani, ve'evyon me'achecha. Don't hold back, don't cheat the reward of a somewhat a poor worker. Be'yomoti tenzecharo, on the day that he does the work for you, this sahir, pay him his due. Don't let the sun set. He needs the money, he's poor. And he's relying on this to be able to, uh, what's it called? To be able to pay his bills. This, God forbid, this guy who you owe money now to, you shouldn't call to God, and there'll be a sin for you. I need you to hear this. Rav Yaakov Galinsky used to scream about this. You go to a barber, the guy cuts your hair. You put each in your pocket, you pay him $10, whatever the haircut costs. You walk out, you're a dip. You know why? Because you got a haircut, you paid for your haircut, you walked out. But you walked out without all of your stuff. Do you ever forget your wallet in the barber? Take off your coat, take off your thing, you sit down nicely, take off your glasses, take off your phone, put your phone down. Could you imagine leaving the barber with your phone? Everyone goes running back in. We all should run back into the barber. You know why? Because every one of us got a haircut. You paid the haircut. We all forgot something very precious in the barber's door. You know what we forgot? It's mitzvah. The guy cut your hair. You owe him money now. He's a sahir. You have to pay him. You paid him then, that day. You didn't wait until tomorrow. You fulfill the mitzvah oraita be your moti Someone came to your house as a plumber. He's a sachir. You have to pay him. When do you pay him? You pay him that day. You fulfill the mitzvah aseh from the Torah be your moti But if you didn't think about the mitzvah that you're doing, he gave you a haircut. You paid him. What'd you get? You got a haircut. You thought about it. What'd you get? You got a haircut and a mitzvah. Then unbelievable. Not only did you get a mitzvah ta'aseh min Torah, you also were, you did not do a lot ta'aseh. Because the guy said, you know, I, you, you could pay him tomorrow. Lot ta'alin there's a isur, there's a lav. You're not allowed to let it sit the night. You also have to pay the day. So there's a lot ta'aseh and ta'aseh you can fulfill. Because you got a haircut. Because you had a plumber. Because someone fixed your refrigerator. Unbelievable. Now it's not every case 
that that person is nechshav, is considered to be a sachir? It's a good question. If the person is considered to be a sachir, Rabbi Galinsky would scream about this. He said, I'm not talking about an autobus, not a bus. You know why? Because on a bus, you pay the guy first. There's no, there's no ownership. Besides that as well, the owner of the bus, it doesn't drive the bus. But in a case where someone is doing work for you, what happens if you have a guy, you tell him, I want you to come today. For this, everybody agrees it's sachir. Let's say you hire someone to come, a handyman to come to your house. I'm paying you for the day. That's a real sachir yom. Whether or not a barber is a sachir yom, you could have a pilpul, you could have a halakhic discussion. But if you hire someone, you tell them, come to my house, I need you to put up the sukkah, I have some work around the house, that's a real sachir yom. You paid him, you fulfilled the mitzvah, oraita. Why do I go through the pains of teaching you this? Because Rabotai, there's hundreds of mitzvot that we're leaving on the table. Now all of us, I'm sitting here in Elul and we're thinking, Teshuvah! I need to work on Shemirat Ha'inayim. You know how hard it is? Shemirat Ha'inayim to guard your eyes if you live in a city like Manhattan. Very hard. I have to stop getting angry at people. Sammy, easy or hard to not, never lose your temper? Easy or hard to never speak Lashon Hara again? Very difficult. And all of us were struggling the whole Elul. Good, and you should. But you're a dib. You're a dib, you're a dib what? if you're not picking up the easy money. Imagine you have a suit store. And every suit that you need to sell takes you three hours. You're measuring the guy, his waist, his legs, his, his chest, till he finds a suit, till he does everything like this. What's the profit margin? Maybe you make on each suit $50. But you know what? Every guy who buys a suit, he may buy three ties, two pocket squares, right. four shirts, and the money you make on these little items might be 10 times more the money and the effort that you make on a sale of the suit. So here I am trying to tip the scales in Elul and I'm killing myself on all these mitzvot that so hard. And you know what? You have to do that too. But don't leave money on the table. I want to give you a few examples. You go shopping for a suit. Anyone here go shopping for a suit recently? <coughs> I want to show you mitzvah ased de oraita. Okay? You're flipping through the suits like this. You look inside the suit, it says wool and linen. You go like this mitzvah ased de oraita. You didn't buy the suit. That's unbelievable. Go, go shopping for the mitzvah. Every, you go like this. That unbelievable. You have to have the kavanah. If you don't have the kavanah, yeah. you're shopping. Yes. You do have the kavanah. Right? Unbelievable. It's running. The mitzvot, the, the ticker is running. I'm just. I want. I want you to see. There's so many things like this in the Torah. I decided to make for myself a list. I feel like everybody should do this. Make a list of your day and just point out for yourself the various things that you could have in your day which are very easy. I'll give you another example. The Torah says that when you go to war, okay, you should have a shovel. Why? So that you don't go to the bathroom in the middle of the camp. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he's found in a camp in a congregation of Jews. So if you go to the bathroom in the middle of the area, that's what it says. I thought to myself, you know what that means? I could decide to go to the bathroom in this room. If I decide to go out of the bathroom, to go from here, 
to the, go to the bathroom to go to the bathroom. Mitzvah. Is that unbelievable? But, but who thinks, who thinks that that's what I'm doing? That I'm keeping a gufnaki? Rabotai, you come to a minyan, you didn't take a shower in three days, you smell. You know what that's called? Baltishaketsu. You make someone disgusted. Do you know that that's in Isur? You go like this in front of someone. You spit on the floor. Baltishaketsu. So you know what? You have something to spit, someone's in front of you. You hold it in, you go to the bathroom quietly with a tissue. Mitzvah! It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. But what's required at least is for someone to think about it. Now some of you might be thinking, what do you mean? We say mitzvot, we hold, it doesn't need kavanah. If I just do the mitzvah, right, and I, I'm going through the motions, the halakha is, like if I went, I said baruch I shook a lulav. So if I didn't have all the kavanot, did I fulfill the mitzvah? The halakha is yes. However, however, the Bach writes that there's certain mitzvot that if you don't have the kavanah actually, which mitzvah does he say it by specifically? He says it by sukkah. That when a person sits on the sukkah, the mitzvah is in order that your generation should remember. Ki besukot o shafti. Now, if the Torah says, do this in order that you should remember, then clearly part of the mitzvah is that you have to think and remember. So this mitzvah says the Bach, you don't fulfill unless when you sit in the sukkah, you think to yourself, I'm remembering that the Jewish people left Egypt and Hashem sat us in the sukkah. That's what the Bach writes. Rabotai, I want to share with you that that's true also about certain other things. There are certain times when a person is doing a mitzvah, like shaking a lulav, even without kavanah, there's no reason other than the mitzvah that you would be shaking a lulav. Zero. So therefore, even without the kavanah, the decision to do the mitzvah is enough for it to be considered a mitzvah. But if I went to the bathroom, I don't know, I wasn't feeling so, you know, I wanted to go to the bathroom, it's a relief to go to the bathroom. Yeah. If I don't think of that as a mitzvah, then I'm not fulfilling God's will. What am I doing? Just go to the bathroom. If I need a haircut, I pay for a haircut, but I don't think this guy is a sakir, I have to pay him on time, I'm paying him on time. I'm not stiffing the guy. I, had a, I borrowed money from somebody, I'm paying the loan back on time. It's a mitzvah to pay back a loan. Did you know that? It's a mitzvah also to lend somebody money without interest. So if someone says, can I borrow money? And you say, of course. You don't think it's your friend. Can I have a dollar? He's in the store. He wants to borrow a dollar to buy a soda. You give him a dollar. Mitzvah. Not only that, you think to yourself, I'm going to give you a dollar and I'm not going to charge you a dollar ten to pay me back later. Mitzvah of not paying, of lending bit a beat. One of the biggest mitzvot, one of the biggest sins. If you do, unbelievable. These are all, we're leaving the money on the table. So you want to be able to come to Rosh Hashanah, to come to Yom Kippur with tremendous mitzvot. One way is to do the teshuvah that we all need to do. And we all need to do it. But there's another way, Rabbi just be aware of the fact that God gave us these opportunities. And that's what it means we're going to say in just a second. God wanted the Jewish people to have merit. So therefore we gave them a lot of mitzvot. All the mitzvot, all the commentaries ask. One second. You want us to be able to merit olam haba? You want us to be able to win the game? Give me one mitzvah. The Sepharim say, no, 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 no. I give you one mitzvah that's worth 
you are getting all that. It's going to be very hard. There's going to be some that try to scale the mountain and don't make it. You know what Hashem says? I'm going to give you a thousand mitzvot. 613 mitzvot, with many different branches. Thousands of mitzvot that come out of those mitzvot, right? God knows how many right? That every single moment of every single day, a person could just be sitting there easily, easily uh, fulfilling the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Rabotai, it pays to go through your day and find all the things which are mitzvot min Torah or midrabanan, and just to think as you're doing it, you know what, I'm doing this because this is what a Jew is supposed to do, because this is what Borei Olam wants. What an unbelievable uh, opportunity to go towards Yom Hadin, pesol lecha, to take the stuff that everyone else is throwing away and to make a whole new business out of that. Baruch Adonai Olam.